man. All it would take is for God to turn the, the power up. But see, the thing is about God, he's, he's, he's got unlimited power. The problem is getting it to you. You saying that I'm the problem and God's not the problem? That's what I'm saying. We're going to be studying today in the word of God a miracle that's greater than any miracle I think that you've ever needed. And if God can do this, then God can do anything in your life. In fact, the miracle that God performs today in the, the text of the Old Testament didn't tax his strength and power in the slightest. A widow woman is, is out of food. They're going to, she's going to make one last meal for her and her son. Can you imagine? One last meal. And then they're going to starve. That's super depressing. But I've read the end of that. And that's not how it ends. How it is in your life right now is not how it's going to end. We're going to show you what the prophet asked her to do that caused the harvest that God wanted her to have. Man, I cannot. I'm just all fired up today. How you doing? All right. If you're joining us online, thanks for tuning us in today. Hey, when Jesus was preaching to people back when Jesus was on this earth, when he was preaching, he was talking to farmers, most of them. He was talking to at least a farming generation, even if they weren't personally farming. They would have had gardens and vegetables and chickens. And one of my friends in Airdrie is like, I want chickens. I'm tired of getting ripped off paying for eggs. Are you going to make a car factory too, you know, in your backyard? Jody, if you're listening, I'm talking to you, obviously. He was talking to a farming generation when he's talking about sowing and reaping and planting and working. And they understood they had a context where to put this in. But you, if you didn't grow up on the farm, you can read about farming, but it's different than waking up at 4 a.m. and farming. And my, uh, my dad and, and my mom both came from the farm. My wife, both of her parents came from the farm. Do we got any farmers who actually grew up on the farm anymore? few people yeah okay back then everybody would have been like well yeah but my brother's a farmer and I help him you know everybody he's speaking to a farming generation I think sometimes we have to go back a little bit because he assumes some things when he's teaching that we don't really understand because we're just not a farming generation um you know I think about budget and uh, you know we talked about budget was that good last week talked about budget you really need to get in that financial freedom small group because it's packed but we got room because we're doing it here and so um that's really the place to get your budget, you know, on track. And, and um, I just touched on it last week a bit, but I was thinking about sowing and reaping. We're going to be talking today in a sermon called Don't Eat Your Seed. But God, I need it. I'm hungry. And God's like, you need it tomorrow. So you need it. I think budget is like a farmer preparing the soil, you know, cultivating that soil, getting the weeds out. My dad cleared a, a patch of ground by himself when he was young, you know, getting the, the soil ready. And so two things in this series, as we talk about rebound, about how to rebound financially. Yeah, uh, financial, the financial needs that you have and you'll ever have, they're a small thing in God's economy. Like God is easily able to do all of that and much more. But your finances are connected to control and connected to authority. And when you give that to Christ, then he has more of your life and then he's able to do more. We're gonna talk today about don't eat the seed, meaning you actually have to sow the seed. But I think budgeting and living that lean life 
And not just in your finances. I mean, like eating well and exercising and, and having self-control. I mean, just living a disciplined life in budget land. Um, I think that that is what prepares the soil so that the harvest comes back the way that it needs to. Because um, anyways, I'm going to get into it. You can't make me preach ahead of time. Patience. I'll get there. Um, thanks, Sean. You know, when my dad was um, really little, like a, a young boy, he was the, the oldest boy of, uh, he had nine brothers and sisters. He had one older sister, but he was the oldest boy by five years, I think, from his next brother. And his dad was really, uh, really a sickly man. And so by the time my dad was 13 or 14, he was kind of mostly running the farm and working with the men. <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, I asked him one time, did, did you ever feel like you missed your childhood? And he's like, no, he says, I like working. I also asked him one time, like, how hard was it to quit smoking? And he goes, oh, I just quit. <laughs> you know, it was a generation that was much tough, tougher mentally, and I would say emotionally too. Now, he might not have been in touch with his emotions, and he still might not be. But you know what they didn't have time for? <laughs> Being in touch with their emotions. They were too busy working the land so that their brothers and sisters didn't starve. And in that, I think that there's a great resilience from that generation. We need return to this generation, particularly on the farm, because they understand that maybe in our culture right now, we're just reaping what we've sown for so many years, you know? Um, I, 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 come on now, I, I preached this text that I'm going to preach in a different sermon in 2017. And one of the lines that I transferred over was this line, the spiritual drought precedes economic drought. <sighs> if only you to listen. No. How do you know, pastor? Because I can read. I read history. I read the Bible. It's predictable. Spiritual drought always precedes economic drought. And so, but God is not worried about this. He's not worried about anything you're facing right now. He just needs to get you on the right path so that you can align yourself to the principles of heaven. And God is a farmer. You know, at the very beginning of the Bible, the law of seed time and harvest is one of the laws and principles surrounding the earth. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. You can fight it, you can hate it, or you can sow and reap. And so it's totally up to, God's like, it's totally up to you. If you want the harvest, I'll show you how to, but sometimes God, the farmer, you know, we're like, oh, just feel sorry for me. And he's like, but you're reaping what you've sown. And, and sometimes you want your father to be way more emotionally connected with you. Ready? Then you are emotionally connected to your own harvest. He's like, why don't I take all this energy that you want me to feel sorry for you and teach you how to sow some seed. My, my grandfather taught my father how to sow seed. You know, from the time dad was really little, he, he, would, he would walk behind the, the tiller in the, in the cold, the cool, soft earth with his bare feet. And one time grandpa was, was um, pulling it with a tractor and there was this, this little curve in the axle. Dad was explaining it to me and I'm like, I'm not a farmer, so I didn't get it. He said it was a curve in an axle that he, one time he, because of the drone of the machinery and he, he got tired and he, he pitched forward and fell forward and his head went right in that curve of the axle. And he, he said, I must have hollered because, because, and dad, just in that, he said, my dad, just in that split second, put the clutch in and it actually bounced that whole thing back about two inches. And he said, my head popped right out of that. How many people are glad that Pastor Richard has a head? Come on. <laughs> You're like, you horrible monster. I'm like, this was life on a farm. This was like normal, hard, skin, knees and it was just the way of life on the farm. My, my uh, grandpa, he was a, a sickly man. Um, he came from the Ukraine for freedom of religion. I think he would find this time in the earth really difficult right now. <laughs> He's like, we gave it away. For what? Yeah. No, 
Oh, no, that's, you know, I won't preach about that. Y'all seem to be not receptive. <laughs> he came over, but he was, a sick, he was a sick man. And so sometimes he would go and get feed. And my aunt was telling me he was so sick when he'd bring the truck back into the yard. All he could do, all he could do was fall out of the truck and crawl into the house and crawl into bed. That's all the, the energy he would have left at the end of the day. So by the time, by the end of like, that could have been first thing in the morning, but he just, he, he was a sick man. And my dad, by the time he was 13, 14, was working with men because he had to feed his brothers and sisters. And that was the reward of, of the harvest. Um, my, my grandpa, later in his life, um, I think some doctors examined him and said, you know, from, from what we can tell from a scan or something, he goes, you know, Abe, you know, Abe that, that you've had multiple heart attacks. Like, you know that, right? He's like, you have a heart attack when they run out of coconut ice cream. <laughs> multiple heart attacks. My dad said that he saw the tractor stopped across the field. And so he went over there one time and grandpa was laying in the shade of the tractor recovering because he had a heart attack probably, but they didn't really even know. And then what, and then he gets up on his own strength when he feels okay and walks back to the house a half a mile. We need some of that resilience in that farming generation. I don't think that they would have responded to COVID the way that we did. You know what I mean? I, I don't think they would have responded at all because their lives were much harder than our lives were. We have a soft society. They had to, to till the hard ground. They had to make something out of nothing. You know, my one time my grandpa, he drove a fully loaded grain truck off the road and just wrecked it. And my dad says he probably blacked out with a heart attack, but we didn't know at the time. And he was too proud to say, he's not going to come back and be like, I had a heart attack and drove the, why? Because he had to go back to work, everybody. He had to. If you don't respect seed time, you don't get a harvest. Now you can sow seed and you can sow bad seed or you can sow, sow good seed in the wrong places, the wrong friends. But see, grandpa knew that they needed the harvest. And grandpa did something that I think you and I need to do because the reason we don't see, sow seed properly is because we're too emotionally attached to the seed when you need to be emotionally attached to the harvest. Note takers. You're too emotionally attached to the seed. The Bible says, if you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. So cry a little and sow the seed. So you can reap the harvest in joy because the harvest is always greater. If you create an emotional template for sowing and reaping, you'll be able to sow when it's hard to sow. Here, I have four points about farming right now. Are you ready? The seed is small. That's number one. Yeah, you've got any note takers in the house? The seed is small. Now, well, what do you mean? Of course the seed is small. No, you don't really understand how small it is because this is what you and I do. We're like, if I had had a lot of seed to sow or to give away or generosity or time to invest in my family, like I like it. I like the way I look in public on Instagram when I sow seed. You know, you ever meet those perfect moms on Instagram or on Pinterest? Look how loving of a mother I am. I did all of this for my child. I'm like, I'd like to see that 10 minutes later when your child walks over it and destroys it and <laughs> spills chocolate milk on it. Put that on Instagram. Let me see that. I want to see. You and I, we have an addiction to looking like we're sowing seed. Man, Facebook, watch the outrage. Like, I can't believe this is happening in the world. And I'm not giving $1 to it is what you'll never hear. I want it to appear that I care, but I'm not doing a single thing. Yep. 
what, what is being paraded in front of you on your screen, you're getting emotionally attached to people that you don't even know when people that you do know are around you and need a harvest. And until you peel the, layer, the layers back on their lives and actually get involved with the lives of the hurting, it's one thing to get outraged from somebody that you're not helping way out there because you don't feel anything. It's another thing to watch the person beside you dealing with the sun. Oh, too serious. Okay, the seed is small. Farmers don't want to be noticed for sowing seed. Like, here I am my tractor, everybody, sowing seed like a good Christian. You know, they're just like, no, they just want the harvest. They don't care about... Okay, um, number two, you already have seed, probably the most important point. You already have it. Stop asking for it. This is what you and I do. God, if you would give me something tomorrow, then I would sow it. And God's like, I gave you something today and you're not sowing it. If I give you something tomorrow, then God's like, then I'm sowing seed. God's like, I know how this works. I don't need practice. You already have it. The, 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 the harvest tomorrow, you already have the seed in your hand right now. Number three, the seed's got to die. It has to die. Some of us, we get so attached to the seed that we sow a little bit with our, you know, I sow a little bit of seed with my wife. And then I'm like, why aren't you respecting me? And she's like, you just sowed one seed and you want to, you're digging it up 10 minutes later to be like, reap a harvest. <laughs> the seed has to die. When it goes from you, when you give it away, it has to die to you. Unless the Bible says, unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, it cannot produce any fruit. Some of you, you're sowing seed, but it's not dead to you. When you give something to God, you just got to give it. Yeah, well, what happens if the money that I give to the church? I told my, my pastor, my dad one time when I, when I was in his church, I'm like, hey, this tithe, this tenth, this is up to you and God. You know, and then the directors and all that. I'm just like, when it leaves my hands, it is gone. My dad told me one time, if I buy you, he said to me, if I buy you a Christmas present and you turn around and sell it, it's gone. Sell it and make money. He said, I don't care. <gasps> he was maybe, he was emotionally evolved. <laughs> Stuff was not going to hold his heart. When you give it, the seed's got to die. Number four, today's seed is tomorrow's harvest, but harvest is more work. It takes more work at harvest time than it takes to, at seed time. And if you're not sowing seed, you don't have the heart for it. Don't worry about the harvest. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. If God gave you the harvest, sometimes you've reaped the harvest. Listen, the devil has the kingdoms of the earth and riches and money and stuff too. Sometimes the devil will give it to you so you get a fake harvest because you didn't sow seed and build character. And then you get the harvest, a fake harvest, because God won't, he won't spoil his kids. But sometimes the devil will give you some and spoil you because your character didn't catch up with where it needed to be when it was harvest time. Meaning if you actually got the respect men that you wanted in your home, you would use it for you and not for God. Ladies, if you had the love and the emotional connection, you'd, you'd still think the home was about you when it's not. It's about Jesus. It's about your kids emotionally connecting to Jesus and you're in there somewhere. It's about turning that over and being like the love and affection of a child. This is a wonderful thing, but... God, one day I'm going to turn this child over to heaven. And all my job is to do is to turn that affection to you. I'm just a steward. I'm just your finances. I'm just a steward. It's just passing through my hands. That's powerful preaching, pastor. Powerful. Powerful word of God. Don't dig up the seed. It's got to die. Trust the process. Number four, today. Oh, I already got that. You can't make me preach it again. Okay. Here. Here's the thing. So, um, sowing seed reveals the cracks that the harvest will exploit. Sowing seed 
shows you the cracks in the foundation that the harvest will exploit. Because when it's time to build, God might want you to build fast and you can't do it on a bad foundation. So if you're struggling with sowing seed, understand you'll struggle a lot more reaping a harvest. So let's get it right now so that we can be actually be entrusted with the harvest. Um, sowing seed is preventative and it's not reactive. That's why God wants you to do it. I mean, 2020 was the year of reaction. Like, oh my goodness. I'm, I promised the Lord I'd be good. I'm looking at like the thousands of decisions that were made based on one flawed concept in this whole pandemic. And I wonder what my grandpa would think about it all. And I don't want to wonder what God thinks about it all because I'm pretty sure I know what he thinks about it all. You know, a haunted house can't kill you unless you panic and fall down the stairs. You know, the, the skeleton pops out of the coffin and you freak out and grab everybody around you. you fall down the stairs and everybody breaks their necks. I mean, that's what I feel like we've been doing, just is running at breakneck speed. I, I, we're making decisions, guys, based on day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week decisions here. God does not make decisions like that. He makes decisions based on the long term. And, and we just panic and panic and panic and panic and panic and make all these decisions. And then you're like, well, how come isolate here but not here? And how come touch this and not that? And like... And I'm looking at all of these decisions. You know what the word of God says? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. It's the beginning. It's where it starts. And if a nation doesn't want to fear the Lord, then we're given over to our own foolishness. And now, now we have a situation we're dealing with. Are we following the leadership of God and all? I feel like God would just walk into the nation if anybody would hear him at the beginning and be like, breathe into a paper bag and calm down. It's a flu. Or breathe it in different paper bags if that makes you feel better. I've got this, he's saying. Well, pastor, you don't understand. You don't know. You know who doesn't understand? People who don't read history and people who don't read the Bible. This is predictable. God can save us. This is, it's a flu. An angel of God goes out and kills 185,000 Assyrians in one night. And you're worried about. You see Goliath. This is not Goliath. Oh my goodness, guys. But God already killed. God already, God already, God already. Look back and see what God has done. You'll see what he'll do in the future. I was, man, powerful preaching this morning. There's so much that I want to say right now, but I'm not going to. Faith is preventative. Faith is preventative. Sowing seed is preventative. You're preventing starvation. You're preventing insanity. You're pre Sowing seed is preventative. That's why God loves it. You know, for every dollar that you spend on preventative maintenance, see, you already have faith for some things. What I'm trying to do is get you to transfer what you understand of faith into the kingdom of God. So, so if, you, if you do preventative roof maintenance and it starts leaking and you fix it then, you wait until it drops your ceiling down because the whole attic is full of water. You can wait then, but it takes energy to be like, oh, I feel like there's a little moisture. I should probably climb up in the attic. I had to do this a couple of times. Like, uh -huh. Or you can sleep in. I walked into a building one time when the entire drywall ceiling and all the insulation had fallen down. And I'm like, I'm glad I wasn't here when that happened. In your car, you can do preventative maintenance if you want to. A friend of mine named Chad, who was not mechanically inclined, he's driving his car in Calgary and I'm with him. And he pulls up to a stoplight and it's like, <laughs> the car's bouncing, it's metal on metal. I'm like, bro, there is something wrong with that car. He goes, it still works. 
Yeah, until all the wheels fall off and kills you. He's like, it's okay. He said, I'm selling it to my brother. Dude, you sell a nasty old lemon of a view. You sell it to strangers, man. You sell it to people you're never going to see again. Just write as is on the bill of sale. Be like, I told him, but... You don't sell it to your brother. You're going to see him on Sunday. We're just going to eat dinner with him, and he's just going to be like... Hey, you remember that car that you sold me that just about killed me? Preventative. Preventative maintenance. You already do this in areas of your life. What we have to do is get your seed in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And, and all the things that you're trying to sow seed for is like, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Well, I don't know. This COVID thing. And God's like. It's not going to tax his power. But I want you to, as I read this passage of scripture, this text, I want you to get emotionally connected with it. Because when you see what this poor widow had to overcome when the man of God asked her for something ridiculous. When you see emotionally what she had to overcome, I think it'll give you faith to sow your seed. Because God is asking every person here for something and he's asking every person for more. Yeah. What do you mean more? God's like, so that I can give you more. Right. Well, that's not how it works. God's like, you want to tell me how things work? Sometimes I think, you know, I, I think that we have to understand something before we allow God to work a miracle. You remember the, the commander of the enemy army of all people that God wants to heal of leprosy. And the prophet sends a servant and says, hey, go dip in uh, the Jordan River seven times. And he gets all mad because he's like, the Jordan River is filthy, man. And his servant's like, but do you like leprosy? He goes, I'm going to go dip in these rivers because they're cleaner. There's, the waters of Damascus are cleaner. And his servant's like, my father, just respect like but you'll still have leprosy. You want to figure it out and tell God how you figured it out? I don't care. Just give me the coconut ice cream, Lord. <laughs> the reason you don't sow seed is because you're emotionally attached to it. It's emotional. You know you should sow seed. You know you don't reap a harvest unless you sow seed into your, the lives of your children. You know it, but the reason you don't is because you're emotionally attached to sleeping too much. You're emotionally attached to Netflix. You're emotionally attached to anger. You're emotionally... That's the reason you don't sow financial seed in the kingdom of God more. That's the reason you don't sow financial seed in generosity, extreme generosity with people. You're emotionally connected to the seed. You need to get emotionally connected to the harvest. When you get emotionally connected to the harvest, you'll be able to be generous with your neighbor because you see one day, Scott and Renee, I, they just bought themselves a new house and it's like a nice house. It's nicer than, it's nicer than my house. I feel like I'm their big brother, you know? I'm just like, yes. I want my, my actual brother, I want my house to be better than his house. But these guys, I... No, it's just always a competition between Ryan and I. I don't know what my parents did to mess that up. <laughs> Definitely my parents. Scott and Renee, God bless them with a, with a brand new house. Beautiful house. Beautiful house. They came to church like three and a half years ago, kind of about six months into when we started, maybe eight months, something like that. Unchurched. Far from God, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, they started sowing financial seed into the house of God the first time they were here. Now, trying to get church people to part with money is like pulling teeth sometimes. Unchurched people, they're like, hey, we know where we come from. We got nothing out there, man. Nothing we ever sowed, it made any sense, you know. And so 
They started this, this you know what, I, I love them so much that I got them addicted to the harvest. I love them so much because I could see the day that they would get this. I could feel that God wanted to do something extravagantly generous towards them. But you know, I love them so much that I got them addicted to the harvest and that I taught them how to sow seed. I preached, I preached giving, I preached Dave Ramsey, man. I preached budget. I preached and they got it and they got out of debt and they sold some property and they lived a, a tight, come on. And God saw this day and I could feel this day coming. That's why you teach your kids about the principles of heaven because you're addicted to the harvest that God could bring them. First Kings 17. And then this happened. Elisha, the Elijah, the Tishbite. From among the settlers of Gilead confronted Ahab. Ahab was married to a famous lady named Jezebel. A famous crazy lady. Anybody married to somebody crazy? Don't put your hand on That's a trap. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel, before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought. Not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. God then told Elijah, get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kareth Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. The word Kareth, now in, in the Bible times, words were named after descriptions of, of them. So when you called a child something, my brother's name was Little King. You know, so my mom and dad were like, God has given us a little king. Bow to your little king, brother. Corey, bow. Here's your crown, your majesty. Do it. You're his slave. You know, Ryan is his name. Little king is what it means. You know, my name, also significant. Want to know what it means, Corey? Dweller by a hollow or a seething pool. <laughs> the weird guy in the, in the woods over there. Guy who lives down by the river in a van. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. Super. No, it's okay. It's okay. The word Kareth means cutting away. Go to Kareth Ravine, he's saying. Cutting away. Trim the fat. Budget land. Yes. That disciplined life. Living lean and mean. Elijah, go, hey, if our nation is in economic drought, you have to share some of the burden by living a budgeted life. Yeah, God wants to bless you, but not for you. God wants to bless you so you can just pass through your hands and bless the people around you. Yeah. Um, he says you can drink fresh water. Water is terrible, but he was probably used to drinking wine. He was probably used to drinking, you can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you. I would rather unicorns fed me, millennials. <laughs> Ravens, those dirty little crow beaks. Picking away at like a carcass of something and then like, hey, and let's, uh, let's go steal a, a steak off of the barbecue and bring it to Elijah. <laughs> Unsanitary? <laughs> a little. Hey, you know that until your time is up, if you're going to serve Christ, you're invincible and the devil can't kill you? What are you afraid about, Christ follower? In the heart of the nations, wherever you see the most broken and the most diseased, you will find Christ followers there, and you are invincible until it's your time. What are you afraid of a flu for? What are you afraid of? All right. I've ordered you to live in budget land, but I like whole foods. And God's like, you need a macaroni budget for six months. Let's get your budget on track. You can do that other stuff when you can afford it. You can buy that truck when you can afford it, but... And it says the word of God in other translations said to feed you there. Meaning God's not going to feed you wherever you want to go. He said, go to this ravine, to the budget land, and I'll feed you there. Whew, that's good. Okay, eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. Now Elijah doesn't have water anymore. Oh, great. You know, sometimes, venue, sometimes the brook dries up because God needs to send you to somebody who's hurting more than you. 
Um, the brook dries up. I'd be like, for reals? I heard, I heard a pastor who spent his life in ministry, incredible guy. Well, in the early days, they only had bread and jam. That's all that they could afford. And he complained to the Lord one time, and the Lord took the jam away. <laughs> it turns out he didn't mind bread and jam. God spoke to him, get up and go to Zarephath and Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. And he's like, a rich widow? No. Um, you know, there weren't really rich widows then. Not, not really. Uh, there wouldn't, wouldn't one in a thousand maybe. I mean, a, a widow, you have to understand, didn't have skill. Like if you lose your man, you don't have the skill or the education back then to make a living. So what would they do? They would sell their bodies often. I mean, they're feeding their kids. They... they their options were very, very limited. There was no unemployment. You know, there's just nothing for these. And a, a woman in desperate straits, I don't know if that's what you, I'm just saying like, not fun, hard, hard life. So he got up and went there. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, please bring me a little water and a jug. I need a drink because God dried the stream up. <laughs> don't get bitter. Some people don't even have a stream. So what he does is something very smart. He, he builds a, a, an obedience snowball. He asks her for something she can afford before he asks for the next thing that she can. Wow. She went to get it. He called out, while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Now, I think God let him in on what kind of an ask this was. But he still asked it. Why? Why? He knew if, if he could get her to sow in tears, she would reap in joy. She said, I swear, as surely as your God lives. Like, she, this is not an Israelite. This is not somebody who's like, believes in the Yahweh. As surely as your God lives. I don't have so much of a biscuit, you crazy old man. I don't even have a biscuit. This is what she got. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we're dead. We're, de we're going to die. He's going to sit on my lap and we're going to die. You know, you'd make that for your son or your daughter. I'm thinking for my daughter. It's like, they're going to get this much and they're going to think that I have that much, but I won't. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to get this portion. I might get a little bit of this portion. But, and he asks her. He asks her. Elijah says to her, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all. She's like, what? Don't marley me right now, man. Some of you are in a storm, you know. We drove across a, a lake in a, the beginning of a storm in, in Montana. Aaron and I and our two older girls on, the, on a Sea-Doo with the, the little girls on a tube behind us driving across into the waves and the waves were catching us just right and just every, every wave was a mouthful of water. And my girls were in the back scream singing. We're like, what's that noise? You can hardly hear anything. The scream singing, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. Just all the way across. The and the prayer of faith. So some of you think that you're in a storm. Elijah, the prophet says, don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be okay. He said, go ahead and do what you've said. But first, the first fruits, the tithe, I'm going to teach you how to tithe properly in this series. But first, before you do that, Go make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. And go ahead and make a, a meal from what's left for you and your son. Meaning don't make it both at the same time and split it. The tithe, the first fruit, because then you'll want to eat my portion. Don't do it. Make this, bring it, and then go back and make it. 
This is the word of the God of Israel. She's like, I don't believe your God. You know, your neighbors don't believe your God. Sometimes you're like, I can't ask anything of them. Sure you can. You can ask whatever God wants because you need to see their harvest that God wants. And my neighbors are, some of them are like, I dropped off gift certificates from Starbucks one time and one of them took the gift certificate and put it back in my door because they were just, I'm like, fine, I'll go to Starbucks. But one day I'm going to baptize one of you. Who's laughing now, devil? My neighbor's not the devil. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went off and did it just as Elijah asked. She didn't go off on Facebook. Some of y'all, when God asks you for something or you're sowing seed, stay off, shut up, and don't say anything. You got a little self-discipline? As soon as you get angry and bitter and you speak it, you buy it. You buy it. Be quiet. If there's an offense in you, be quiet. Give God 24 hours to change your heart. To help you see something. Um, and it did. Just as Elijah happened, as it turned out, as he, it turned out just as he said, daily food for her and her family, the jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. Listen. That's what happens when you tithe. God takes the 90% and stretches it further and feeds you in a time of famine. But that's not even the best part of it. Watch this. This is what Elijah, this is what I think God was like. She's going to need something more one day. Later on, the woman's son became sick. Come on, worship team. The sickness took a turn for the worse. Then he stopped breathing. I was counseling somebody in marriage and I'm like, one day this marriage is going to stop breathing. And if you wait to sow seed until you need the harvest, you can't sow seed and reap a harvest on the same day. Stop breathing. The nation is just about stop breathing. 19, verse 19, Elijah says, watch this, watch this. Hand me your son. Hand me your son. I'm going to end the sermon here. Hand me your son. You know, one of the reasons that you need to sow seed today is because one day God is going to ask for something that really matters. Because one day you're going to need a miracle that no earthly hand can perform. You're going to find that the diagnosis, that phone call. You find out what your daughter is into you. Oh, you're going to need a miracle. And if this poor widow woman couldn't hand the biscuit over, she was never going to hand her son over. And the seed that's so, you're so emotionally connected to that biscuit, but one day you, God is going to say, hand your son over, hand your marriage over, hand your soul over, hand. Come on. You're going to have to hand it over. Elijah takes this boy up to his loft performs the most unconventional miracle, stretches out three times full length on the boy, prays to God, put life back into this boy. Put Sometimes you want a miracle the way that you want it. I just want the miracle. He comes back down and he 
God listened to his prayer. He put breath back into the boy's body. He was alive. Elijah picked the boy up, carried him downstairs from the loft and gave him to his mother. Here's your son. Alive. Come on. As our nation stops breathing, the seed for their revival is in your hand right now. They're not going to sow seed. Lord. (laughs) They're not going to sow seed because they don't know how, because they've never done it. Christ follower, the seed in your hand right now, the seed in your hand right now is the seed of revival to revive our nation. I want our grandchildren to look at you and to look at me in the years to come and be like, like I look at my grandfather and say, wow, there was a man of faith. There was a man of power. There was a man who, of resilience. There was a man who could have a heart attack and go back to the field. I want them to look at you and I and say, they gave the biscuit in a time of famine and turned it around for our nation. Yeah.